0: Uh began a series on first things first, and so again, as we talk about, you know, it's important as we think about all the things we're juggling in life, it really is good to step back and make sure that we're keeping the main thing the main thing, and that we're keeping the things that are first to God first in our everyday life. And so again, it's important not to get too bogged down with different things, all right? So my clicker is not working at all. I'm not sure why. Let me make sure I'm on. I'm on. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely froze. I don't know if it's working up there or not. There we go. And so if you remember uh, from our first week, when you think about first things, really at the very roots of everything that is first is God. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 44, 6, I am the first and the last besides me, there is no god and so really everything that is good everything that is truly first the very roots of that go back to god himself all right and my clicker is definitely not working so i'm going to i apologize <laughs> emma's going to have to be with me today so i appreciate it and so when someone asked jesus What is the first commandment? Now, Matthew's gospel, a little bit different, says what is the great commandment? And if you put Matthew and Mark together, what the scribe was asking, what is the first and great commandment? What is this book all about? And again, it's important sometimes to step back and to make sure that we're keeping the main thing the main thing. And Jesus responded that the most important thing is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and he said, "The second is like it, and that is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself." And Jesus said, "On these two are hang all the law and the prophets." So really, it's all about two things. It's about a love relationship with God. Second of all, it's about loving each other. Those two literally are what this book is all about. And so we talked about the church at uh, Ephesus, and again, probably the greatest church that's ever existed. I mean, they had some of the most amazing leadership, and they were flat getting it done. They were hitting on 99.9% of the cylinders. They were toiling to the point of exhaustion. They weren't tolerating false teaching. They were doing it for his name's sake. They were having patience, and in all of their going, Jesus said to this church, I just have one thing against you, And that is you've left your first love. And isn't it sad that a church can be doing 99% of the stuff right and all of their going, and all of their busyness, they fell out of that honeymoon love with God. They lost that passionate love with God. And Jesus says to this church, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's hard to believe Jesus could say to this church, if you don't get that one thing back, I'm going to remove your witness. It's so important to God to be passionately in love with him. Matter of fact, if we don't get that one thing right, everything else we're doing ultimately will fail. And so I just want to encourage you in 2021 with everything on your plate and all the busyness, not to get so busy serving God that we fall out of love with God. And that becomes on the back burner of our life. All right. Now, last week we talked about uh, when it comes to the gospel, and the gospels presented there in Romans 1.16. When it comes to evangelism and missions, I believe the first thing is the Jew first, and then the Gentile. We talked about that a little last week. So let's look in Romans 1.16. Let's read it together. And those of you at home, you can join us and read it as well. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ... For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. And so he says here about the gospel, and I've heard that many times. It's it's a great reminder of how powerful the gospel of Jesus is. He says it's the power of God for salvation for everyone, to the Jew first, and then the Gentile. That word first, as we see up here, is the Greek word pro and again it means especially or above all and so he's saying to us that in our passion to reach people again there's no wrong people group there's nobody wrong to witness to but in all of our going in the natural realm I believe somehow we need to have a heart for the Jewish people I mentioned last week in the spirit realm we're all equal there is no difference between Gentile and Jew but in the natural realm realm again there's a difference and so God is just saying that somewhere at the top of our heart we need to have a soft place a passion to present the gospel to the Jewish people all right and so if you remember Jesus himself when he was on this earth he focused on the Jews first and then the Gentiles. It wasn't that he didn't love the Gentiles, but again, God's order is the Jew first, and I believe it was the heart of God through the Jewish people to ultimately reach the Gentiles. Remember what he said to the uh, Syrophoenician mother, the Gentile mother. She came and said, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. And he makes kind of an unusual statement to her when he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep Of the house of Israel. It almost seems a little bit cold when he says to this woman, Primarily, my ministry now is to the Jewish people. But he still healed her daughter. But I just want you to understand that again, God's order is the Jew first and then the Gentile. Now, I have some good friends. I have some people who love God as much or more than I do, people who know the Bible who have said to me, The church has replaced Israel. Now, I believe that church is the bride of Christ. I believe the church has a special place in the heart of God. I believe God loves the church as much as he loves Israel. But I just want to say my heart is I think God still has a place in his heart for the Jewish people. I think the covenant that God made with Abraham as he began a people, I believe even though man has not kept their end, God always keeps his end. And so I think God still has a special place to the Jewish people. When Jesus sent out the disciples, if you remember, again, he gave them that same order. He says, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now again, it's not that he doesn't love the Gentiles, because I think he wants the gospel to come to the Gentiles, but it always begins with the Jewish people. So he sends the disciples out, says, don't go right now to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And when we understand, again, God's order, it's not that we're not to reach. All people groups are worthy to reach. There is no people group we should not be witnessing to. But what Paul is saying is, especially The Jews, somewhere at the top of our heart, as we're going and as we're reaching people, somewhere at the top of our heart, we should have a a love For the Jewish people. And he's going to develop that in the book of Romans, and we're going to look at that today. All right? And so when he sent out the disciples in in Acts chapter 1, you've probably heard this preach. It's a great passage on evangelism and missions. And he says to his disciples, just before he ascended into heaven, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, first of all, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and the end. of the world so i want to say to you that and we've adopted this passage for our mission statement and churches have adopted it by saying we are to start in our local area and then we're to do missions literally to the end of the world and i think that's good i think that's accurate to say that and by the way i just want to mention and i don't know if i mentioned it in this service last week but we have the best mission pastor ever bob Caldwell is the most mission-minded, has the biggest heart for missions of anybody I have ever met. And you can drop Bob in the middle of any people group, and he fits right in. He's just, he's just kind of crazy, He just dropped, and he just adapts to any situation. We are blessed to have Bob Caldwell on staff here. But I want to say about this, if I'm being honest with this passage, Jesus is literally saying, start with the Jews. I want you to start in Jerusalem with the Jewish people and then let it ripple out to the end of the earth. Because that is God's pattern. To start with the Jews and then to ripple out. You remember when Paul went to Antioch here in Acts chapter 13. And by the way, I just want to remind you again, the early church was all Jewish I mean they were Jewish even though in Acts 1:8 he told them to go into all the world they stayed in Jerusalem ministering to the Jews until Acts 10. It took them 10 chapters for Peter to go to the house of Cornelius and for God to show Peter that the gospel was also for the Gentiles. It took them up to chapter 15 before they had that big business meeting and they finally decided these Jews in the the church in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, halfway through the book of Acts, they finally voted and realized the gospel was also for the Gentiles. I just want to remind you that Bible that you read is very, very, very Jewish. It's written by almost all Jewish writers. And so as Paul's writing to the church at Romans, he's going to try to encourage them to have a soft place in their heart for the Jewish. All right, so, so, so Paul and Barnabas here... Uh, Paul and Barnabas, you remember they were in Antioch, and as they were ministering, the Bible says, almost the whole city gathered together. And now Paul, everywhere he went, even though he was a, uh, an apostle to the Gentiles, that was his call by God, was to reach the Gentiles. Every city he went to, he always went to the synagogue first. Always. He always went to the Jew first, and then to the Gentiles. You say, why would he do that? Are the Jews more important than the Gentiles? No. I don't think they are, but it's God's order. God's order is the Jew first and then the Gentiles. So here in Acts 13, it says Paul and Barnabas grew bold against their Jewish leaders who were trying to push them out of Antioch. And notice what they said. It is necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Why would he say that? He said to these Jewish leaders, it was necessary that you got a chance first to hear the gospel. But since you've rejected it, we turn to the Gentiles. And again, that's God's order. It, It humbles us Gentiles. Does it mean that God doesn't love us? Absolutely not. He loves us as much as he loves the Jewish people. But in the natural realm, again, God's order is the Jew first and then the Gentile. So it kind of humbles us to realize that he loves us. But again, God's order. All right. So Emma, will go to the next one. And in verse we looked at last week in Galatians chapter 3, there in that in Christ, in the spirit realm, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave or free. There is neither male or female. So in one way, in the spirit realm, there is no difference. God doesn't look down in the spirit realm and say, well, you're a Jew, you're a Gentile. You're you're a woman, you're a man. In the spirit realm, we are 100% equal in Christ. That's good news, ladies. I want to tell you, you have as much clout with God as your husband, as a pastor, or anybody else. So if you come to me and say, could you pray about this because I know you're closer to God than I am. It's not true. It really isn't true. You're as close to God as I am. And so we all have equal clout. So in the spirit realm, we are 100% equal. But in the physical realm, there are still differences. There's still an order for God. Just like at Silver Saints this week, we let the ladies eat first, all right? Why do we let the ladies eat first? Because they're more important. All you ladies are nodding. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Why do you let the ladies eat first? It's not because they're more important to God. But in the natural realm, it's a show of respect. Why do we respect our elders? Why should we respect our parents? Because we're just as equal to God as our parents. But in the natural realm, there's something about showing honor to our parents. And so in the same way, in the spirit realm, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. But in the physical realm, I think God is saying to us Gentiles, have a little respect for the Jewish people who have given us the Messiah. They have given us God's word. And so he's just saying in the natural realm, have a special place in your heart for the Jewish people. All right, let's go to the next slide. So here's a map, and Paul wrote, the book of Romans. Some say it was his greatest book that he wrote or greatest letter, and it really has a lot of doctrinal theology about how to be right with God. How many of you have ever heard of the Roman road? The Roman road, somebody in the first service had that Roman road in their Bible and they showed it to me. And so we use the book of Romans literally to tell people how to have a right-standing relationship with God. So it's a beautiful letter that Paul writes, a very doctrinal letter that talks about how to have a right-standing relationship. So Paul is in... uh, Corinth here. Now, I'll use my left hand, Emma, when I'm looking at the screen. My right hand means go to the next screen. This is kind of fun to work this out while we're we're live, all right? So, most people believe that he wrote the book of Romans from the city of Corinth, which is kind of right in the middle of the screen there, just to the left, and he was on his third missionary journey. So he's near the end of his ministry as he writes to the church at Rome. Now, many of the letters that Paul writes, he's writing back to a church where he either established it or he's been at the church and he's writing back to correct some stuff. But the book of Romans, he's writing to the church at Rome, which he has never been to as a believer. So he's writing to a church that he's never been to. And in the church at Rome, there are Jewish believers and there are Gentile believers. And there's still just a little bit of division of how the Jews and the Gentiles mesh together. How many of you, isn't it kind of strange to think there could be division in a church? Still kind of happens today. And so Paul is writing to tell these Jewish and Gentile believers how to have a right-standing relationship with God and how to get along. You guys need to get along. And so in the book of Romans, he really develops the idea of the Jewish nature of the gospel, all right? So let's look at a verse here in Romans 1. He says to the church, The good news... Regarding his son, who as to the flesh, his human nature, was born to a descendant of David to fulfill the covenant promises. Right at the very beginning of the book of Romans, as he's writing to these Jewish and Gentile believers, he's identifying Jesus as a Jew. Why would that be important? Why does it really matter? Because again, the Bible's trying to encourage us to have a soft place in our heart, for the Jewish people. So he connects right at the beginning of his letters. He's writing to this church that Jesus was Jewish. All right? He was born in a Jewish home. He grew up as a practicing Jew. So he discovers that. The next verse, he says in Romans 3. What advantage then has the Jew or what profit of circumcision? Now you would expect Paul to say, what advantage does the Jew have? You would expect Paul to say, none. They have none. They have to be saved just like the Gentiles. But he doesn't say that. Now, in one way, they have no advantage because they do have to be saved just like we do. But notice what Paul says. What advantage then has the Jew or what profit is the circumcision? He says, much in every way. Now, that's unusual says, what advantage does a Jew have in the natural realm? And again, Paul's going to say, out of respect, we need to understand how God has chosen the Jewish people to literally evangelize the world. So he says here, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. And the Amplified Bible says his very words. Why should we have any respect for the Jewish people? First of all, Paul says we got to understand it was to the Jewish people that God committed his word. And if you don't even if you don't have no other respect, just to understand that God chose to use the Jewish people to commit his word to these people. All right. And so in, in uh, chapter nine, Paul makes a statement that I really have a hard time believing. I mean, here's a statement. I just want to tell you, I would have a hard time saying this. But he says in chapter 9, For if it were possible, I wish that I myself were accursed, separated, banished from Christ for the sake of the salvation of my brothers, my natural kinsmen, who are Israelites. Paul was literally saying to the church at Rome, if I could literally die and go to hell so that the Jews would be saved, I would be willing to do that. Can I just be honest with you? I don't think I could ever say that to God. How many of you would be willing to die and go to hell if the Jewish people could be saved? I mean, here's Paul who has a heart for the Jewish people. Even though he's called as an apostle to the Gentiles, he still has a heart for the Jewish people. All right. He goes on to say there in chapter 9... Why should we honor and respect the Jews? From them, the Jews, came the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, who is exalted and supreme over all. Why should we have a place of honor for the Jewish people? First of all, he said, God has given us his word through the Jewish people. Second of all, he's saying it's the Jewish people who gave us the Messiah, the Christ. And so again, we need to have a place of honor. Are they equal with us in the spirit realm? Absolutely. Does God love us as much as he loves the Jews? Absolutely. But in the natural realm, Paul is saying that we need to just have a little bit of respect, a little bit of honor, because again, through the Jewish people, they gave us God's word, they gave us the Messiah, who again grew up Jewish, all right? And so Paul says in Romans 10:1, "Brother, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And so he prayed for the Jewish people to come to know Jesus Christ. Now let me make a statement here, and, and some of you are going to have a hard time receiving this. And so I just want you to receive it. I want you to write it down. I want you to go home and get some verses. How many of you came today saying, I hope I get challenged? All right, not very many. That's okay. I want to tell you this. If I were to ask you, how many of you believe we should pray for the lost? I would think every hand would go up. Every hand would go up. Those at home, their hand would go up. I just want to say this. I want to challenge you. And I just want you to go through the Bible. I want you to write down all the verses in the New Testament that tell us to pray for the lost. I'm going to make a statement that you'll have a hard time believing. There's very few verses in the New Testament that tell us to pray for the lost. Almost every time that Paul prays, it's for the church. Even Jesus, when he prayed in John 17, said, I do not pray for the world, but I pray for those who you have given me out of the world. Now, I think we should pray for the lost, but I'm just telling you, if I'm being honest with the Bible, there's almost no verses in the New Testament that challenge us to pray for the lost. This is one of them right here. He says, I'm praying for Israel That they might be saved. And I'm just telling you, even though Paul was saved, he was called as an apostle to the Gentiles, he still had a place in his heart for the Jewish people. And that's all I believe God is wanting us to do. It's not that anybody's less important, but somewhere in all of our going, we need to have a special place in our heart for the Jewish people. All right? Here's a a familiar passage in Romans chapter 11. He says, If some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. So he's saying to the Gentiles, because of the unbelief of the Jews, and they were kind of broken off, we as Gentiles have been grafted into the olive tree. I just wanna say, I am so thankful that God permitted the Jews to be blind so that you and I can be a part of the church, that you and I can be saved. But he's saying to the Jewish people, don't get proud, don't get cocky, because some of them were disobedient And we were grafted into that olive tree. And I believe the Bible teaches all of the promises to Abraham come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So we get to enjoy all the blessings of Abraham because, again, we were grafted into that tree. I want to remind you that because we're grafted into the tree doesn't make us more important than the tree. It doesn't make us more important than the root. We ought to be very humble when we realize... That God loved us so much that he allowed us to be a part of his people. And so again, Paul is just saying to the church at Rome, have a grateful heart. Have a place in your heart for the Jewish people. Not that God loves them more than he loves you. But again, in the natural realm, God chose the Jewish people to literally to work through in life. All right. Now, this this slide somehow got messed up. These trees are supposed to be money bags, all right? So that's my bad on that. But Paul says in chapter 15, it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make certain contribution for the poor among the saints who were in Jerusalem. And so Paul is collecting money from these Gentile cities to go back to the poor believers back in Jerusalem. Why would they do that? It goes on to say there, if we can get to the next slide, For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Isn't it interesting that Paul collected money from the Gentiles to take back to the Jews in Jerusalem? Why did he do that? He says, if we've been partakers of their spiritual things, we literally owe them a gratitude to give back to them. And that's why I want to say again, I think we ought to reach every people group on the face of the earth. But I think in all of our going, and all of our reaching, somewhere near the top of our heart, we need to have a place for the Jewish people and know that God wants us to try to present the gospel to the Jewish people. And so again, God's order in the natural realm is the Jew first and then the Gentile, all right? And so the questions that I asked you last week, again, just want to kind of run by you. Am I praying for the Jewish people? Is reaching the Jewish people... First, that word proton, is it especially important on my mission list? Am I given money to reach the Jewish people? And do I have a Jewish friend? I mentioned to you last week, some of you are thinking, I wonder if I have a Jewish friend. If you're a born-again believer, your best friend is Jewish, all right? And so Jesus, the Bible says, he said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. I want to just remind you, your best friend is a Jewish carpenter. And so again, when we think about the Jewish people, again, I I, I don't want anybody to walk out saying, I believe the Jews are more important than the Gentiles. I don't believe that. I believe God loves us all the same. But again, in the natural realm, it's just a respect that we should have for the Jewish people, all right? And so real quickly, is God done with the, the Jewish people? I'm so glad that they became blind so that we could be grafted in and become a part of the church. I'm so thankful the gospel of grace has come to the Gentiles. I couldn't be more thankful. But I just want to remind you, I believe that one day in the future, before Christ comes back, there's going to be a great revival among the nation of Israel. God's going to pour out his spirit on the Jewish people, and there's going to be a great revival. It says here in Romans 11:12. now if Israel's transgression means riches for the world at large, that's us, and their failure means riches for the Gentiles, that's us, how much more will their fulfillment And reinstatement B, one day God is going to pour out his spirit on the nation of Israel. God is going to fulfill his promise to Abraham. I'm so glad we're living in a time that we get to be a part of the church. But I just want to remind you one day, and people who say to me, God no longer has a special place for Israel. I just don't believe that. I believe it will always have a special place for Israel. And the, and the Bible goes on to say here in the book of Zechariah, gives a couple scriptures about one day God pouring out his spirit. So one scripture we want to look at here in Zechariah 12.10, I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David, and on the people of Jerusalem. Before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a revival among the Jewish people. Won't that be exciting to see the Jewish people who for, for, for the most part, part have rejected the Messiah, one day before he comes back, there's going to be a tremendous revival. And I think we find that in the book of Revelation. So in Revelation chapter 7, it says, I heard how many were sealed. He couldn't number the people because there was a lot of them, but he heard the number, and it was 144,000, 12,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Now, Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary, he believes that these are obviously Jews that God is going to raise up to be evangelists and to go into all the world. I want to tell you the greatest revival this world has ever known, or will ever know, is coming one day during the tribulation. God is going to raise up these 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe, and somebody said to Warren Wiersbe, I'm one of those, I'm in one of those tribes. He was a Gentile. And Warren Wiersbe said to him, really, what tribe do you belong to? He goes, well, I I, I really don't know. I've never heard of a Gentile being included in one of the tribes of Israel. I believe that God is going to raise up these Jews during the tribulation to preach the gospel in the four corners of the earth. And so his love for the Jewish people will spill out. And one day in heaven, we're going to see people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation under heaven is going to be there because of his love poured out to the Jewish people. He goes on to say this. After these things, right after he mentions 144,000 After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice. And by the way, everything in heaven's loud. I mean, you remember that? I still have people come to me and say, Pastor, that, that music's awful loud. That preacher's a little bit too loud. Get used to it. Get used to it. Everything in heaven is loud, and so for anything else to be heard, it has to be louder. Isn't it going to be fun? I want to get around some of you Baptists up in heaven, man, when you get free in Jesus, all right? And so they're crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. So John looks in heaven, he sees a multitude which nobody can number from every tribe, tongue, people. I think they're people who these evangelists have led to the Lord. And and the angel asked John, who are these? And John, instead of opening his mouth to make a guess, he says, I don't know, who are they? And the angel said, these are those who have come out of the great tribulation and they've made their robes white with the blood of the Lamb. Now, I think we're already going to be in heaven. And we're going to see this vast number of people turn to God. Heaven's going to be an amazing celebration. I mean, we are going to be free. We are going to be celebrating and and worship in heaven. It's not going to be like here And here, I kind of feel bad because you guys, all you get to see is backs of heads. But the Bible says in heaven, it's going to be, I believe, in a 360. I believe everywhere you look in heaven, the throne will be in the middle. But everywhere you look, you're going to see brothers and sisters from every tribe, tongue, and people worshiping God. I think we're going to have spirit goosebumps on top of spirit goosebumps. I think for a long time we're going to just be lying down, just blown away by the grace of God. I believe someday in heaven we're probably going to dance at some point. I think there's going to be a course on us how to, how to be free up in worship, all right? And so there's a video I want you guys to see. If we can go to the next slide. I apologize. We got another couple slides there. I messed him up, that's my bad. But Joshua Aaron, who's a a Messianic Jew, last week I showed a video of him at the Tower of David and they're doing a worship service. So Joshua Aaron here, he has a song called Every Tribe. Now I don't know where, but he has some American Indians with him. I think they're from the Cherokee. And so they're all up there dancing and worshiping God. And at the beginning of this video, this Cherokee chief will say, to our chief cornerstone, Yeshua. He calls out Yeshua, and they begin to just worship God. And the song is called Every Tribe. Two more slides. Part of the words go Every tribe, every tongue, Emmanuel your king shall come. End of sorrows, end of pain, come and praise Creator's name. Speak to the land, O man of war, to every isle and distant shore. All of God's people say, Amen. And then there's a lot of whoa, 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 whoa. And then they're just dancing around. They are totally unbaptistic the whole time. All right, the next slide. Raise a shout. He's coming again. Terror shall return to them. To the ones who harm the innocent, they'd better lay down their sword. For the battle is not man's, it belongs to the Lord. And so I just want you to listen to this worship song. I want us all to stand together if we can. Now, in the early service, people were kind of, you know, they were very dignified. But you look down and their toe is going. And so I just want you just to kind of feel free to worship along one day in heaven, every tribe, every tongue, every people on the face of the earth. Let's give a shout to our great chief cornerstone, Yeshua. It's exciting. I don't want to leave. (laughs) But we gotta leave. All right. But anyway, love you guys. It is so awesome to be able to worship together and just to think about God's incredible love. And again, I hope as we think about first things first, the most important thing is, is being in love with God. And when it comes to missions and evangelism, it's not that it's only the Jew, but somewhere at the top of our heart needs to be a soft spot for the Jewish people. And so I hope that God gives us that as a church. Love you guys. I wanna pray together and then we'll close out with a song. Remember on your way out today, if you wanna vote on Jalen, you can just write yes for yes, no, if you feel like the timing is not right. But all you gotta do is just, there's no place on there where you see a ballot. So you just write yes or no, tear it off, drop it in the, the money box back there. And that gives you a chance to give a voice if you're not going to stay to hear me twice all right love you guys man it's so great to be able to worship together and just to be free in God let's pray father thank you for your love I thank you for your just a special place in your heart for the Jewish people that through them and out of the abundance of love that your heart spills out to every tribe tongue and people and so Lord fill us with your spirit I hope, I hope, pray as we go, that your spirit would spill out everywhere and that we would just experience life everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.